Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Life, that's right, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It is true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing, you know, craft of writing. We've got one up now about uh, going beyond Wikipedia when you research. Beyond that, that's just a starting place. Although not a bad starting place, but of course, we've got to go beyond. So nice article about that, but also about the writing life, you know, just what it takes to be a person who writes and how you stay sane and stay grounded and how writing teaches us how to live. It does. So that's there. That. But we also have video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. A couple months ago, I interviewed Laura Munson, novelist, memoirist. Oh, but this month we've got a conversation with life coach Susie Moore, fascinating woman, talking all about getting your eyes off other people. Stop checking your likes is the name of her book. That's a good idea. It's a great conversation. Really liked Susie. Go check it out, authormagazine.org. It's all there. It's all free. It's all fabulous. And we are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. These good people have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, and they're still doing it. Uh, pandemic or no, they're still doing it. Yes, we're going to have some classes, uh, video, actually virtual classes. I believe I'll be teaching some this summer. So it doesn't matter. You may be here in the Northwest. Maybe you're not. It doesn't matter. You can still come to the class. Fearless writing, personal essay, fearless marketing, whatever. And so this is actually opened up some nice opportunities. And uh, it's a good organization. They offer lots of writing tips, writing education, opportunities to connect. Yes, they do. They're great. PNWA.org. That's where you find out about them. Well, today I'm very pleased. I've got a debut novelist, promising novelist. Uh, well, she's Sahar Mustafa. She's the daughter of Palestinian immigrants from which she draws inspiration for her fiction. She's an acclaimed writer of short stories, having been awarded the Guild Literary Complex Prize for Fiction, a distinguished story honor from Best American Short Stories, and three Pushcart Prize nominations. And she's got a hell of a book out now, The Beauty of Your Face, and she's with us. Yes, she is. If I can get her on the show. There she is. Sahar, how are you doing? Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Bell. So, okay, so April 7th, right now it's May 12th uh, as I speak, and um, this book's been out about a month. Uh, how's it going? I, you poor woman. I have a lot of friends who <laughs> I'm saying that to right now. Uh, this was not part of your plans, but no. <clears throat> was it, did it scuttle things a lot? Because sometimes first novels, they don't do a huge tour or anything, but I assume they had some stuff planned for you. Yeah, you know, I think what was um, maybe most disappointing, uh, if not for me, for my wonderful friends and family, was my launch party. So the wonderful folks at the American Writers Museum in Chicago were going to host it. But guess what? I still did a Zoom. And, Uh, uh, you know, it's been this wonderful, like, recalibration because, you know, this pandemic has opened up other kinds of opportunities, and I feel like I might even be reaching more folks, you know, with, with this book and just the virtual events that I've been invited to. So, you know, it, it was a bummer, but I, I can't imagine that, you know, a book ever expires. So this is the no. attitude, you know, that, that I have, and people have been wonderfully supportive. 
Well, that is a good attitude, Sahar. And I have mm-hmm. to agree. I, I have other friends who um, had books come out and they are discovering the virtual event. You know, the bookstore event uh, can be lovely. It can also be staggeringly depressing for all the, I, in fact, I was interviewing this fellow who's, I can't remember his name, but he had a huge bestseller. He was Irish, I think. And he had a new book out and they, and the bookstore where he was going to appear here in Seattle was like, will you come and interview him? You'd be like the live interview. I was like, sure. I'd be honored. And he had had some huge turnouts in Boston and New York. And he shows up in Seattle. One guy, there one point oh, he, he, he didn't know what to make of it he's like they had big crowds in Boston oh. big crowds. I'm not saying that would have happened to you but it can happen you know yeah. but that's the yeah it's a, yeah it puts things in perspective doesn't it yeah it does well <laughs> and this way you can reach people even if they're not they don't want to come out and actually go to the store they can have it's a little more comfy for them maybe we're reimagining book publicity during these times maybe this will open up things for oh, yeah. in the future and I think, uh, you know, what has been so remarkable to me are, you know, just the communities that have really just, you know, uh, uh, sprouted, um, have formed just around the pandemic to support writers. And yeah. uh, I'm just thinking of the Social Distance Book Club and A Mighty mm-hmm. Blaze. I mean, these are just, wow, wow. Yeah. I mean, it actually is very heartening. So these are people who are basically just book lovers, you know, yeah. and want to make sure that, that these books are still reaching um, the masses. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I feel great. You know, it, 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 it's been a good, you know, journey so far. So the beauty of your face, it's your first published novel. Is it your first, yeah. the first novel you wrote or just the first you published? Oh, very good question. So it is, uh, yeah, no, no, this is, this is great. Uh, you know, I, um, attempted a young adult novel, so I'll admit that here. And, uh, that then actually evolved into, um, you know, what I'm going to call an adult. So the audience, uh, as I envisioned, the audience has changed, but, um, you know, I did publish a collection of short stories, uh, before this novel. So, but yeah, this is, this is my official, you know, legal. <laughs> but you start, so uh, oh, the reason I ask is some people write three, four, five, six before they ever sell one, you know, they, they, they have to figure it out and figure it out and figure it out. So you started a young adult novel. And so you, the, the young adult novel you started became the beauty of your face in something, some, like there were the kernels in, in that book that was the kernels of this book. No. So that actually became no. another okay. project, which has not uh, yet. Yeah. Um, and and it's one it. that I've actually put on the back burner. I'm working on something entirely different. Ah, uh, okay. so, and that one was like early in my MFA program. You know, there, there's this pressure to, you know, produce a novel. You know, I think sure. story collections, um, you know, are not as um, – I don't want to say celebrated. I mean, we as writers uh, celebrate them, but in terms they're of not. marketing packaging. They're not, though. You know, they don't, they don't have the same still, yeah. whatever that the novel has, right? Yeah, it's true. Yes. It's unfortunate, but I think, um, you know, uh, I'm hoping that at least with this book, people will then, you know, go back and see, you know, my, my other work. Uh, so this feels like an incredible, you know, stepping stone for sure in terms of, um, you know, awareness and publicity. 
You know, I was uh, thinking about you because uh, I knew you'd started with, with your first, that most of your, well, your, your first work that you were publishing was short fiction. And, you know, the short story, you can learn so much about the craft of storytelling and prose mm-hmm. and fiction and just how to handle characters and all that. I was talking to my wife because she writes too, and she's gone back to writing some longer form stuff. And we were both talking about the novel or the memoir too, which is sort of like the memoir mm-hmm. is like the nonfiction version of novels, I always think. And, it, and when you get into that long form, it asks something of you that, I mean, short story writing can help, but it can't fully, I don't think it can fully prepare you for what you have to manage to pull off a novel. What do you think? True? False? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I, I would have to agree. So, I, you know what, structurally, because the beauty of your face is episodic, right? So mm-hmm. there's going to be a decade presented from the main character's life, uh, and then that alternates with the um, unnamed shooter. So right. it helped that, you know, I had framed it that way so that I had sort of these self-contained, you know, chapters, stories. But you know what, the, 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 the long term, the longevity was absolutely challenging. And yeah. um, I was worried about, um, you know, the momentum, uh, you know, sort of uh, fizzling. Uh, I had to really um, sort of, you know, work hard at, uh, real substantial, you know, uh, raising the stakes, you know, in, in, in right. each uh, episode, and then it still be connected, right, to right. Uh, what follows. So, I, yeah, it, it felt quite daunting, but I will say, uh, once I had the vision and I could see where you know these characters were going, um, it really uh, became such an enjoyable experience. Like my my first exploratory draft. Um, you know, sort of flopped, but I had to go through uh-huh. that in order to see what I needed to do. And then I tell you, uh, I just took off. And yeah. I just, I remember um, reading, you know, Roxane Gay saying something about how quickly she writes works. And I'm like, finally, somebody has said it because I almost <laughs> would be like embarrassed to admit that I, you know, I do, you know, relatively speaking, uh, I, I write quickly, but it's also, I'm speaking from a, a real privileged position. You know, I am an empty nester. Uh, no, so no, no, a no. Lot of independent no, 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 stop. Stop. You know why you write fast? You write fast. Okay, I could be wrong, but it's because it's just how you write. It's because it's the, I write quickly, too, and I always have. I wrote quickly when I was waiting tables and raising two little children, and, and I did okay. it fast then, yeah. and I do it fast now when I don't. So it's just how you work. Don't apologize for it. No, you know what? That, 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 that's true, Mel. Thank you for saying that. I think, uh, <laughs> see, again, I'm, I'm being apologetic. I've always been such a perfectionist, too. Oh, and so you yeah. can give me a task and I'll finish it. And even in emails, like, people are so funny because they'll say, oh, thank you for getting back to me so quickly. And I'm like, yeah. oh, gosh. <laughs> And so now I'm like, maybe I should delay. Maybe I should, you know, be like that real cool, you know, nonchalant kind of person. No, no. Who's not going to immediately respond with excitement, you know, but I can't help it. I'm well, definitely, you know, enthusiastic and eager. Sahar, what's going to happen is you're going to get so popular. So many people are going to want to contact you that you're just not going to be able to answer them all. It's going to be too much. You're just going to, so you're going to have to learn. You're going to, it's going to be forced upon you uh, at some point. All right. So you're, you're a what, fast writer. What a wonderful problem. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you found the long form a little, a little challenging, trying to keep the, mo- the momentum going. Mm-hmm. What, was, 
was that was was that it that was the the hardest part for you that moment actually you know what let's back up a little bit before you get to that i feel like we sh- i don't always ask my authors to do that but i'm going to ask you to would you mind just just summarizing the book for our listeners so they kind of know what the hell we're talking about when we refer to these things mm-hmm. Sure. So the book opens um, in the present. Um, it is uh, pre-Trump era, and, and that is um, important because of Significant. the climate that, that we're in right now. Um, right. And we open with Afaf Rahman. Uh, she's the principal of a Muslim-American school in a fictionalized suburb outside of Chicago. And she's going about her, her daily routine. The school has also been, uh, was once a convent. So it has been transformed. So I really enjoyed playing, you know, with that um, right. sort of, um, you know, duality, I suppose, of Christianity um, and Islam. And so she hears in what used to be a confessional, this is where she escaped. She, she's also praying, but, you know, she gives herself a break from, from the kids. She thinks she's hearing firecrackers, which is normal because they're, they're, you know, constantly harassed, you know, in this particular neighborhood. And then comes to realize very quickly that it's gunfire. And so we are swept back then uh, from that moment to when Hafef is 10 years old in 1976. She is the daughter of Palestinian immigrants. And each chapter then moves us um, closer to when um, she comes face-to-face with the shooter. And we also get his point of view, but it's, it's a lot more limited. So right. um, it's just sort of, uh, you know, uh, I, would, I guess um, uh, it is a, sort of a glancing look, but I feel like, um, you know, we still get close enough to him, um, which was also interesting and important to me. I, so you know, that, that I, is coming up. I thought you. I think it was very important that you showed from his point of view because you know one of the things you're dealing with, of course, when you deal with writing about um, immigrants, and this is so particularly just in our face right now since Trump got elected, is dehumanizing the other, right? We just it's it's mm-hmm. been going on since the Romans, if not before, right? And the the easiest one in the world to dehumanize is a shoot a school shooter, right? We can just turn them into something less than human, but you didn't do that. And I think it's so important because if we could turn him into something less than human, why not someone in funny clothes, right? What's the, or clothes that we're not used to. Why? Mm -hmm. I think it was, I thought it was very important. You did it. I thought it was helpful. Well, yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, it also was what, um, uh, had had the manuscript rejected, I can tell you quite frankly. Really? So, so I had you know agents uh, who basically were like, "You need to drop the shooter. This is a great immigrant story." And I really pushed right. back against that because it just felt like it, you know I, I didn't want uh, my vision to be altered, and it felt like it was controlling the narrative. And so here, right. you know, uh, it's you know the, whatever was marketable was really what I wasn't interested in. Now I can say that of course, being with a big publishing house. So again, that's a privilege speaking. But yeah. But for me, I just, I'm interested in stories Bill. So um, I, I knew immediately that I would be drawing uh, from the shooter's point of view, but um, I, I needed it to be limited and that's why he remains unnamed. So that was also right. kind of a buffer even for me writing it. 
sure. uh, because he, he wasn't born a, a shooter, right? So right. Um, no one is. I'm not trying to solve any problems, you know, in right. this novel as much as, you know, maybe just raise questions of what are, you know, the stories and, the, and all the choices, all the forces that bring us to these critical moments in time. And I also wanted him to serve as this sort of a disruption in the narrative, you know, that, that daily threat that, uh, you know, Muslim women in particular, hijabi women experience, you know, in their lives. So um, I know for some people that might be unwelcome and that's on purpose, you know, um, right. because from what I've been hearing, people just love Afaf's story and that's great. Um, and of course they find him unsettling. It's not graphic. I, I want to emphasize that, but it's disturbing. And, right. um, you know, I, I'm glad because, yeah, that I, I don't want to, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, water down or diffuse um, the the bigoted and, you know, sometimes violent, you know, climate, you know, we, we are living in. Right. You uh, so you've used the, the being the daughter of Palestinian immigrants has infused your work. But this may be kind of a chicken and egg question, but. Do, did you, were you someone who said, I, I really have got to write, and then you just, when you, I know how the subconscious or how the creative mind works, it's what wants to come out comes out. And you said, oh, I seem to want to tell mm -hmm. stories about this experience. Or did you, were you aware that this, that your growing up experience wanted writing to make sense of it? Do you know, was it one before mm -hmm. the other, or they happen all sort of simultaneously? You know, um, let, let me put it to you this way, Bill. I didn't think the stories that I'm telling now would be valued. So for a very long time, oh. I've written my whole life, you know, and right. I just remember saving money for like this beautiful electric Corona typewriter from Spears, Oh, my you know, God. Uh, Oh, gosh. Oh, I, I, I yes. you know, my, my parents were just delighted by that. And so I was, right. I was writing, but they were either, you know, animal stories or stories completely unrelated to my experience. And sure. of course, you know, I look back now, I, I really just internalized, you know, white culture. And of course there was nothing else. So the stories that I sure. grew up with, there were, there weren't um, any centering, right. Of um, these diverse voices. So I, I wasn't writing fiction um, seriously, except in, I, I would say, uh, I, I sort of feel like a late bloomer. So I was always really great at nonfiction pieces, essay writing. And I always excelled. I loved writing essays all the way through school. Right. It wasn't until I was exposed to um, Palestinian American voices and namely Naomi Shihab Nye. She was the first, you know, writer. On my, and, and I thought, oh, my goodness. So there's actually a space. So, right. you know, and, and so she she's proof that, you know, um, our, our voices matter, our stories matter. And uh, that, of course, is also the, the product of, um, you know, very canonical, you know, traditional curriculum that just did not sure. include um, these other voices. So um, I feel like I came to that late. And, but right. you know what? Um, I feel like we are, we, are, we are doing really great now. You know, st we we're still working um, at really, again, enlarging um, the narratives and, and making spaces, you know, for writers of color. Um, sure. And I just, I feel so fortunate, you know, for those who've already sort of, you know, paved the way. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that answered your question, Bill. You well, know, yeah, and so it wasn't it until, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's always an interesting thing. I was talking to a client of mine who had start who had sat down to write 
And she had had some traumatic experiences when she was young and she had been writing fiction and she sat down to write nonfiction and suddenly all this stuff just spilled out. And I was like, look, this is how it works. If it, it, whatever is in your subconscious is knocking. It wants to be told. And if you can suppress it, you can try to suppress it if you want, but it will find its way out. And so, I mean, I just, it just, I, I was curious of how conscious you were of that the experience of being um, Palestinian American, well, I don't know if you considered yourself that, I don't know how you labeled yourself, but certainly your parents being Palestinian from Palestine, if that was like, if you were conscious there was, that you wanted to tell stories of that, or if it just was sort of pulsing beneath the surface, and then once you gave it a chance, out it came. Once you gave, uh, once you, were, you gave yourself permission reading that other writer, then you, then you allowed it through, yeah? Yeah. And even then, Bill, it's, interestingly, I look back at, you know, what I was writing, um, you know, about 15 years ago. I was yeah. only composing stories based on Native Palestinians. So in some, you know, uh, way, I, I think I was still exoticizing, you know, um, right. a particular population. And it wasn't until, again, in my continued uh, investigation, exploration of other voices, um, did I realize, and, and that would be then, uh, I would point to writers like Jhumpa Lahiri and Leila Lalami and their short story collections, which yeah. really, again, you know, a, a more light bulb going off. And it wasn't until my MFA work that I um could really spend time with stories that were um, from this Palestinian American experience. I'm still writing right. about native Palestinians. In fact, my novel is, is, is set in Palestine. So right. this is a really good question. Yeah, I knew. So it was there, but um, I think I might've been suppressing and, and maybe writing what I thought would also be publishable, which is again, <sighs> unfortunate that, when, you know, you, but yeah. You, when, when you're we are all suffering with that though. It, it, yeah, every yeah. It, well, not every writer, but I certainly I suffer. I was been writing and talking about this recently that I was writing uh, stories that I thought I should be writing, what I thought would be publishable, yeah. which, which was not really in the voice of the kind of thing I wanted to do. But I was replicating what I had read and what I had admired once upon a time and what I thought, other, you know, it was also screwy. But I think writers do this all the time, whoever they are, of black, course. white, brown, whatever. They yeah. think they got to be something slightly different than they are in order to be acceptable. Right. To be acceptable because yeah. we have to get accepted. Writers have to get accepted. You were rejected. Your book was rejected and then you were accepted. Isn't that wonderful? But we're all yeah. suffering with that, I think. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was uh, happy to hear, you know, just um, in, in these larger writer circles, uh, I think, uh, you know, few writers talking about how they didn't want to write another book after their first book was published. You know, <laughs> I'm so appreciating that. You know, I get it now. I get it. But, and so if you're not feeling that, I guess the other thing, and this is what I, I'm going through is, oh no, what will this next book look like? And will it, you know, right. will it receive, um, will it be received positively? And I just, I just released this book for crying out loud. But I, and you're already, I'm, see, um, oh, we're just <laughs> relentless. Why can't we just enjoy <laughs> the moment? I, no, and you you remind me of that, especially in these kinds of conversations. It's just so great, you know, to to talk about how you know the, this book was birthed, and it you know I have to remember it's just one book too, and now it's yeah. out in the world, and and it's in uh, in readers' hands, and they are going to be on this journey, and I and I hope they'll reach out, you know, and tell me yeah. what it was like. Uh, but I I need to keep moving forward, so I'm, yeah. I'm glad you know to have another project. 
Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I, t- I think it's the best medicine to getting your mind mm-hmm. off of. I, you know, I, 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 I've enjoyed interviewing the American novelist Andre Dubuse the uh, third a mm-hmm. bunch of times, and he's a wonderful guy. And the last time I talked to him, he said, "You know what? I'm done reading reviews." Good or bad, I just, he had talked to some other novelist who said, <laughs> I don't do it. And he's like, I don't have to read them. And he said, she said, no. So he's done. And I think it's such a healthy point of view. I'm sure you've read yours. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm, I know the temptation is great. But God, we've got to get our eyes off of what other people are saying about our stuff and just write the next one. Yeah. That has been also the best advice um, I've gotten from mentors. And, you know, they're talking about things like, you know, the Amazon, the Goodreads. Yeah. And oh. in the beginning, oh. I was just checking to see if anybody was reading. And I'm like, oh, look at that, three people. But then you right. see, like, the stars fluctuating. And I'm like, enough. I need to stop doing this. Yeah. And you know what I, I discovered, too, Bill, is that even in the more critical reviews, there have been books that I loved that did not get, you know, great praise yeah. or mixed I remember that and I return to that. And, you know, um, I, I think, you know, criticism is absolutely valuable and necessary. Um, I, I think that maybe, uh, you know, readers need or writers, you know, can, can, can definitely pay attention. But um, it's, it's, you need to turn that off once it's out there. Otherwise, it becomes this real unhealthy, you know, sort of. Um, you know, frame of mind that, that you find yourself in and it can be oh. crippling. Oh. So I'm with you. Yeah. And, and with, with um, Andre, absolutely. So, but you know, with social media and everything else, it's uh, it's tough. Tough. You, you see, of course, everybody else posting their great reviews and they're like, Oh, okay. Um, so I've been also conscious of that too. And I, I think it's also kindness, you know, not to over um, post, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, because, you know, people, you know, writers, I think, you know, we just are, in the end, we are still quite vulnerable and, you know, feeling pretty raw at, at first yeah. publication. My wife very wisely described a review. And I think this is perfect. She said a review is a description of an experience. And I thought it's true. Mm. It's Ooh, one like person that. had an experience with your book and they're describing yeah. it. And, you know, yeah. I, I remember once I'd written a book and my, and a friend of mine said, my mom read it and she has some comments. You want to hear it? And I said, no, I don't. He said, what do you mean? Don't you want to hear it? I said, well, what if someone else next to her thinks things totally different? I don't want to hear everybody come and tell me I've written it. I moved on. I don't want to, I don't want a rundown of what everybody thought I could have, should have, could have, would have done. Oh, it's hard. It's and, hard. And, you know, people, of course, are bringing all their, their uh, life experiences to something like I'm, I'm no. interested in what people had wished I had, uh, you know, who I had, uh, spent more time on and why didn't I come back to this? And it all speaks to <laughs> their needs, their wants, right? Yes. Um, uh, preferences, absolutely. And, and I respect that, you know, again, I'm, I'm so um, grateful that they are interacting with this thing that I put out there in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I need to respect that, you know, and I, sure. and, and again, I, I just need to keep it moving and need to keep uh, producing, you know, more writing because, that's really what makes me happy. And yes. um, I'm, again, feel pretty grateful that I can. Oh, it's great. It's great. Keep moving. The writing, the, 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 the reward. I mean, getting published is great. It's so nice. to. I always think of it as an opportunity to have a conversation about something I'm interested in. So I've had, you know, the, 
mm-hmm. I start the conversation, the reader finishes, the, but then we maybe talk to So it's a great chance to talk. But the, as you know, you wouldn't do this thing. You wouldn't be doing this if the experience of going down that rabbit hole that is writing didn't please you. If that experience alone, yeah. just in and of itself, <laughs> wasn't gratifying, right? Why do it otherwise? Not for the money, probably, yeah. although who knows? <laughs> uh, we are, I suppose, uh, masochists, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we gotta. We, we like the unknown. Well, all right. So, so if so, if people want to say, "Oh, Zahara is one interesting person. I want to learn more about her." What's the best way to do that? Where can they find you? So, you know, they can find me immediately at my website. So that's uh, saharamustafa.com. And they can even contact me through there. I'm on Twitter. I I actually was finally persuaded by my daughters to uh, get on Instagram. So I'm there, too. Oh, I'm not there. I I really appreciate, yeah, I love connecting with readers. So I am am, uh, pretty available. And they can see my other um, publications and things that I'm involved with on my website. Would you, could you, in a boat, though, would you, would you, uh, if someone was interested, do a virtual book club? Are you, would you be open to that sort of thing? Oh, yes, and I have. So, in fact, I was, oh, yeah? I was in one last night. Oh, it's been super, oh. well. So, uh, on my website, I, I'm, I invite, you know, readers to please contact me if they'd like to do a virtual book club discussion. Um, so, I've already been involved in, in three, you know, and, and just, so fun. I so, so enjoy it. So absolutely. Right. I hope, I hope your audience will, will um, reach out to me. I, I am yes. very glad. To hear from you them. hear that people? Don't you want, wouldn't you love her there in your virtual living room talking to you? Yes, you would. <laughs> it would be very exciting. It'd be very fun. She, you could all have glasses of wine wherever you are and it'd be great fun. Okay. Yes. So, and so there's, so you, you, they, you give instructions on your website as to how to do that. Very good. Okay. You're a pro. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, they can reach out. We can, we can arrange it. No problem. All right. Good. All right. Sahar, I got one more question for you. And what I want you to do is finish this sentence. If writing all the writing you've ever done has taught you anything. It's taught you what? Patience. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that, that is on different levels in terms yeah. of uh, waiting for success, um, yeah. you know, waiting uh, for a particular story to maybe evolve in a more powerful, meaningful way, or even to get to the end. You know, when we think about the novel, so I, I, I hope I have, um, you know, nurtured patience. Um, I don't, I don't know that yeah, I would have gotten this far, you know, if, yeah. I, if I didn't, if I didn't have patience. Oh so maybe man! Maybe that's sort of a natural. No man, I, I, I can. It is. I cannot be patient enough. It is. I there is. Yeah. <laughs> there is no end to how much more patient I could be. I have to say, in writing, has been a <laughs> great teacher for that. Almost as good as my children at teaching me that. All right. Sahar, you're awesome. Congratulations on your book. Uh, I, I hope there's a lot more where that came from. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate this conversation. I had so much fun. Ah, excellent. Fun is what we're looking for here. All right, Sahar. Uh, good luck and wash your hands. <laughs> Thank you and stay safe. <laughs> okay, you too. Oh, be patient, people. Be patient. You know, just sit. It comes. It comes. Everything comes. Comes to you. You know, 
Winnie the Pooh, things came to him. Rabbit, go out and get things. Don't, don't be a rabbit. Be a poo. Let things come to you. Okay, I'll be back again next week with another fabulous author. Until then, think of something you love to do. Find something you love to do and do it. That's what we do.